Grading end-of-year projects, or quite frankly, any projects, can take a long time, especially when you have like 200 plus projects to grade and give feedback on. So today we're going to talk about ways that can save you time while still being an effective teacher. So today's episode, we're going to talk about being clear on your expectations, using rubrics with clear thresholds and fewer levels, and giving points and feedback along the way. But first, let's think about why we even have end of year projects or end of class projects. So what is the purpose? In my classes, the end of year project was the one that incorporated all the skills that they should have learned in my class. It was meant to be somewhat of a capstone or culminating show piece. Really cool projects also were a great way to recruit future students to my program. As an administrator and coach, too often I see the teachers forget that their students have already shown competency for these standards. They put too much at stake in these projects and assess more on behavior like turning in a completed project on time at the deadline instead of the actual skills. So keep that in mind as we look at ways to simplify and save time. Maintaining or increasing enrollment. Staying on top of ever-changing content. Incorporating best teaching practices. These are just some of the challenges that we face as CTE teachers. Welcome to the On Your Prep podcast. My mission is to empower every career and technical educator to love going to work each day because they are teaching what they are passionate about, in addition to applying great teaching principles. Before we get into today's episode, I do want to remind you of a freebie that I have out that is the plan out your course cheat sheet that will actually get you all set up for next year's courses by letting you know what you should be doing step by step. And the purpose of this cheat sheet is to give you an idea of what you could do now so that you can be planning guilt-free over the summer so you don't even have to worry about what you should be doing each step of the way. So it uses my 4S system to actually set an order to schedule, to systemize, and to sustain your planning for next year's. So go ahead and grab that at kristenmasick.com forward slash cheat sheet. I will have the link also in the show notes. So let's jump into today's episode. We are going to first talk about being clear on your expectations when grading end of year projects. So the best way to be clear is to not only tell students what is expected for them to do or create, but show them examples. So showing students examples, I know some people are kind of torn on whether or not they should show student examples or not because they don't want students to copy. And you could be getting students to copy. I know I've heard of a group in a middle school where they had students, they came up with different ideas and they put them up on the board and they had some sort of like point system figured out that if they used their own unique project or idea that wasn't up on the board, then then they got more points, but they could actually like spend points. And I'm not sure how exactly they did it, but you could like kind of borrow someone's patent, I guess, someone's idea, and you could still develop their idea even though you didn't come up with it originally. So I thought that was a really unique way, but a way where students, sure, they might copy each other's ideas, but they still still like have to develop the project as a whole. So We're looking at having them know what those expectations are 
and what that actually looks like when you're assessing and giving feedback. So showing students an example and having them assess and give feedback will help them meet your expectations because not only have they read the rubric or however you're going to be grading, but they've actually seen it, they've talked it over, they've worked with their group to figure out, okay, what what score would we give them? So if you don't currently have an example, make one yourself. It should show the proficient level. Make it accessible to students so they can reference it when needed. One of the best things I ever did was to take my bulletin board and display examples of the current project that my classes were working on. At the time, it was a set of drawings. So the example had each sheet with the necessary key items that I had highlighted with marker. So before I put up the example, I had students asking me all the time what they should be including on each sheet. Yes, I had it written somewhere else and probably like three or four different places, but they just needed to actually see it. After I hung up the example, they would then compare their drawings to it. So maybe they'd print off a smaller sample and then they'd walk over and they'd actually like look to see whether or not they had everything. Most of the time they were able to figure out what they were missing. This also allowed them to work on projects even when I wasn't there and had a substitute. For multi-day projects, have examples of checkpoints along the way. We'll talk more about assessing and giving feedback on checkpoints a little bit later. So what that would look like is that you have various chunks of maybe how much they should be completing each day. So the next strategy to save you time is to use rubrics with clear thresholds and fewer levels. So rubrics are meant to guide your students and yourself. They are meant to provide consistency in evaluating student work. So consistency should save you time. It should speed up the process because you shouldn't need to think about what score to give a project. The score has already been decided. You decided that when you made the rubric. Each level should have a specific point value assigned to it if you are using points, not a range. So an example is you are giving one point instead of three to five because then you that range would actually have to make you think about the specific, are we giving them a three, are we giving them a four, or are we giving them a five? You just want to know if they have met what's in that level, you are giving them this score. So having a range for proficient mark makes rubric pointless. So no pun intended on that one. A suggestion would be to have levels like none, partial, and proficient. So having fewer levels means that there are less things for you to worry about. So if you were to have five, six, seven, eight different levels, well, now you've got to read every single level and every single thing within that level to know what to assign them. So keep it really simple. So none, partial, and proficient. If a student goes above and beyond, good for them. They will still fall into the proficient level. Within the rubric itself, pay attention to the wording that you're using. So make it the expectations clear and non-negotiable. So here's a poor example. Design proposal is complete containing all required parts. While you have an assignment sheet somewhere with all the required parts listed, you and your students will forget. Make it easy by being very clear. So try this instead. Design proposal has a problem statement, three researched ideas with citations, and a sketch of the proposed design. Now, if they're missing any of that, then you could put it into the partial, and you can, if they don't have any of that, then obviously be the none. But now you've just got three different things to choose from. So you've got none, partial, proficient.
So this last idea, strategy, tip, whatever you want to call it, has actually been the way that I've been able to save the most time by grading in my class, as well as my husband and other teachers. So you are going to be grading the projects as the students complete checkpoints. So you're going to save the most time by giving feedback to your students during class. So let's be real. Most of your students will look at their final grade for the project and not care about the details. They will not care how long it spent you to grade everything. They will not care that you circled and gave comments for every single item on the rubric. They won't care about your red ink, nothing. All they care about is that end score. So don't even get me started about wasting your time and giving them comments on their project in your LMS. They never look at it, no matter how old they are. Honestly, when I've taken online classes, I don't look at those. So don't spend a ton of time doing that. You're also not teaching them how the real world works by assigning a grade that will have a student go from passing to failing if it's not turned in on time. So that's another soapbox that I'm going to get off now, but I'm going to explain more what I mean. So you have decided that you are going to use the next class periods, the next 10 class periods for your students to work on a project. So you are going to chunk their grades into smaller parts. So for this example, we're going to say that the project is worth 50 points. So to keep it simple, come up with 10 checkpoints that they need to reach to complete the project and make it so that it's logical so that they know that this amount of work should be done on this day and so forth and so on. So each checkpoint is worth five points. Plan it out so that these steps or checkpoints can be completed in one class period. So for every class period they get to a checkpoint, you award them the points. Give them feedback along the way as well so that they have the opportunity to get full points within that class period. It doesn't make any sense to let them move on when they're missing something that they'll need later on in order to complete the project. So you're going to want to enter those marks immediately. I like to carry around some sort of tablet with a gradebook already open. Another thing that you can do is you can actually have your students track their progress. You can think of like like a star chart or something that maybe you used to use in elementary school when you would mark how many books you've read for that year. And so you can see the progress bar and there's like monitoring and it can be on the wall. It could be like in their notebook so they can see where exactly they are in the project and how many checkpoints they have completed. They may not log in and they probably won't look in the gradebook to see where they are, but if they have something that's readily accessible that they can open up every single day at the beginning of class and see where they are, that just helps them know where they are progressing and maybe where they need to work. Now, if a student is absent for a day, they are able to work extra hard or do work at home to show that they have met those missing checkpoints. The goal is that you're still wanting them to complete all of those checkpoints so that they can be successful in the end. So what about the student who forgets the final project at home, like on the day it's due? Well, they've worked every day. They have met nine of the 10 checkpoints. They get a 45 out of 50. You've already put it in the gradebook. So they've actually accumulated those points over the 10 days. So that's their score. Now, I guess it's up to you to decide whether or not you would allow them to bring in that final project for that five additional points or the remaining points. That's totally up to you. But at this point, they've already accumulated. You have already witnessed that they have met those standards, that they're proficient in those standards. 
And so there should be really big issues on that. So in this example, you're actually teaching them about the real world by showing them how to manage a project. So you're giving them frequent feedback and making corrections before the entire project fails, giving them small wins. The best part is by the time the final is due, you've already graded the projects. No more staying late or working over the weekend trying to get everything graded before grades are due. So in summary, it's better for you and your students to use systems to streamline the grading end of year projects. You can do this by having clear expectations with examples, using simple and objective rubrics, and grading along the way. These ideas do take prep work on the front end, but they will save you hours of time when it comes to actually entering grades. So which strategy are you going to use first? As a quick reminder, I would love to help save you time and get you prepped for next year while this year is still happening. So make sure to go on and get my cheat sheet. It's at kristenmasick.com forward slash cheat sheet. So it's the plan out your courses cheat sheet that will really map out what you can be doing now so that you don't have to worry about things over the summer. Until next time.